This episode of The Regular Podcast is brought to you by Kilo, the host of The Regular Podcast. Yep, I'm bringing to you my own podcast this week, y'all. How y'all doing, man? We back for another episode of The Regular Podcast. I got some cool sound effects, so now I'm going to be hitting the keyboard to get my sounds in here so I don't have to edit them in later and I don't have to struggle like I did last week. Last week when I was, you know, I put the music in there from for the super producer little segment I did. That took some that took some. So, you know, now I I'm punching I'm punching sounds smooth in while I live record this. Y'all can go ahead and listen to the intro. It's real soft. I'm still here, y'all. It ain't go anywhere. I just hit the keyboard. <laughs> you feel me? Yo, I didn't add all my sounds in yet. You feel me? I only added a couple in. Y'all get here. Let me. Let's go through them real quick, cause this is this is fun to me. Let's go through them real quick. You know I had to get my man the chef up in here. Check him out. Why the fuck you ain't eating cold? The fuck wrong with you? Ah, that's my guy. How the fuck? That's also my guy. And then when people when people do. When pe- sorry, when people do foolish things, I gotta come through like I can't stand you. You know? I can't stand you. Hold on, y'all Shay calling me. Hello? Yeah. Yo, I don't know what's going on with my phone, man. The the watch, my watch was ringing. My watch was ringing, but the phone wasn't ringing. I don't know how. Yeah, I don't know what yeah, that was about. Yeah, my watch is ringing, but I left my phone in the car when I went down. Uh, okay, of course you did. Yeah. I'm on the, I'm on the podcast right now, so I will call you when I get done. Uh, yeah. Oh, uh, what you doing your podcast on? Well, you'll hear. I'm recording right now. You'll hear it when I get done, or when you when I get off the off the. I'll call you back. All right, y'all, my bad, my bad. But did y'all hear my sa- These are the only sounds I got in here so far. Why the fuck you ain't eating cold? I can't stand you. I'm going to be coming through with I can't stand you a lot on you motherfuckers. All right, y'all, how y'all, how y'all been? How y'all week been? Mine been cool. You know, over the weekend, Saturday, I got outside and I, and I did a nice project outside. I built my daughter a swing set. You know, I connected one tree to another and then... I connected a wooden beam, a four by six beam from one tree in the backyard to another tree and then just added a couple of swings with some heavy, heavy duty hardware just to make sure, you know, everything is safe back there. I don't want to do anything on some bull crap. I don't need anything falling on my daughter or on anybody else's child, even though other people's kids don't come over my house. So, yeah, I had fun. Not really a lot of fun, but it was cool. It was a cool experience to build that. Uh, I'm actually going to put together a video and like a little, um, not a tutorial because I didn't go d- deep, but I did a little explanation video and I'm going to probably I'll put it out whenever I edit it and uh, let people see how I did that. Home improvement videos or videos where people build things, they're pretty popular on YouTube. So build or fix things, pretty popular on YouTube. So I'm, I'm going to put those joints out. What y'all been up to, man? Y'all cooling, chilling, everybody, everybody groovy. Hmm. That's cool. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts lately, man. A lot of podcasts. Everybody, shout out to everybody, man. Shouts to everybody. And I, and I like how everybody has their own unique style. I know last whatever week it was, I said that 
the podcast, they whack with the segments. I, I had to think about it. It's not the segments that are whack. Some people just have whack podcasts. But for the most part, almost all the podcasts I hear, I'm entertained by them. So, shouts to y'all, everybody doing y'all thing. Jay-Z, I know you're listening right now. You might as well go ahead, bring me over the title. You understand? I mean, I don't have a lot of listeners, but I add value in other ways. I'm th- I'm actually thinking about I should get in the producing podcast as opposed to doing this, making my own podcast because I come up with good ideas for shows and things, but I'm not really good at promoting because I don't I don't really like forcing my stuff on people, man. If either you listen to it or you don't. You know what I mean? That's cool with me. But I come up with some great concepts. You know, I understand how to how to edit sound and how to produce. So I should probably I should probably get into that, man. Anybody who wants a podcast and doesn't have one, but you are great on social media, you know, get at me. Let's talk. Let's talk. We can make some things happen. You can get your own sound effects and things of that nature. All right. Anyway, uh, this week. Well, I didn't even talk about it last week. I don't even remember if it was out, if the information was out there yet. Yeah, It was. Charlemagne the God, some some things came out about Charlemagne. They didn't really come. They didn't just come out. Actually, Charlemagne said on his podcast five years or uh, 2015 that he had put some Spanish fly in in some uh, in a girl's drink, and they had sex. Right. He recently came out since that resurfaced. He recently came out. He did like an open letter to the people from his podcast from his podcast page on SoundCloud. And pretty much addressed what everybody's saying. And he pretty much apologized for how he said what he said. He said he didn't rape anybody, but the way he explained the story was misleading. He left out some details and now he claims to have given the rest of the details. What he said was on this new uh, SoundCloud clip, he said, I didn't give it to her without her knowing. We both went to the sex store. We bought this Spanish fly and we took it because we thought it would be a good idea to have sex taking it. Now, the thing about it is he got to that explanation before somebody else found that female and got her to say Charlemagne raped her. So he just say everything that everybody thought was about to happen with Charlemagne. And all the people trying on social media hard to say, why Charlemagne not fired yet? The petitions, all this other stuff. He just stopped it brilliantly, actually. No pun intended. He just stopped everything that people thought was about to happen. I thought that it was a way he could fall if one of his enemies or rivals could find the girl he was speaking about in that clip and get her to speak about it. That would add the shock value needed to tear somebody down the way people like to tear people down. You would need that female to come out, that woman to come out and tell the story in the same way. Like I woke up and I asked him, did we have sex or did you have sex with me or did your friends have sex? If they would have found that female and got her to tell that story, then Charlemagne would have had a problem. Since he got to it first and with the women that he, he associates himself with, he's good to go. And he's about to be out of it. People are going to stop talking. Eventually, it's going to die out because it never grew that, that big. It was big, but he didn't. He never got defensive. You know, he just put out an apology, and then now he's back. His HBO deal still intact. His iHeartRadio deal still intact. 
you know his his um interviews that he has coming up still everything is still intact so you know he 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 got up he got up out of that joint swift with no he never had to go to court or nothing never had to pay anybody or maybe he did i don't know but hey some of the other guys in in um in the business the industry they need to take notes on what how Charlemagne just weaseled his way up out of that one i don't know if he raped a girl or not but he definitely just got his his himself out of that situation that he was about to find himself in so smart smart uh, media tactic by a guy who was being considered a media legend at this point uh another thing that happened was the takashi 69 robbing and kidnapping or kidnapping and robbing whatever order you want to put it in what what has been said is takashi was coming home from a video shoot at four in the morning or some time around that or after four in the morning but before five in the morning and an suv crashed into the back of the suv he was in they jumped out with guns and they snatched Takashi, threw him in the, what well, I, I guess they snatched him, pistol whipped him. According to him, he was knocked unconscious. So then next thing he knew, he was waking up in the back of the vehicle of the guys with the guns, right? And they said, but he said they didn't say anything to him. They drove to his house. So I know a lot of people think Takashi took them to his house to give him the jewelry, right? I mean, to give them his jewelry. But he didn't tell them where he lived at. They just went straight to his house. That's how he knows it was some people that know him. He called it an inside job. They didn't ask him for directions. They didn't say, nigga, where you live at? Cool, I'm about to beat you. They ain't do none of that. They just went straight to his crib. What they did do was make, they told him, either you t tell somebody up in that house to bring your jewelry and your money downstairs. If you don't, we're going to kill you. So he, I guess he called his baby mom or he called somebody that was upstairs and said, bring all this stuff down. They brought it down to him. And so they r drove off with, you know, 750000 in jewelry. Uh, they say 750000 in, in jewelry and about 15000 in cash, right? But they didn't leave Takashi there, robbed to walk away. Supposedly, they put him or they, they took him back in the vehicle and drove away with him again. Now, Fat Joe had an interesting theory, which makes sense. It's the only way it makes sense. The reason that they took him, not because they were just like, oh, we're about to joyride with a victim in the backseat. They took him back away from his house because I guess they were contemplating killing him. Probably because he's such a big figure and it would probably be kind of easy for him to find them. So maybe they figured, okay, we'll drive him around until we figure out somewhere we can kill him and dump him or whatever like that. But Takashi was able to jump out the back seat while the car was moved. Not jump out. He opened the door and got out the back seat. Now, these is clearly some amateur kidnap niggas, right? Because he shouldn't even have been by a door to open a door, right? How you kidnap somebody and let them sit next to a door? That don't, make, that don't even make sense. But anyway, they, you know, he opened the door. He jumped out and ran to, he found some random person sitting in the car that random person called 911 for him and, you know, he went to the hospital. Now, people were speculating, saying it was fake. I was saying it was real. Then I said it was fake. Then I'm like, oh, okay, the police, the NYPD, they came out and said to, to, they have it on video from, um, you know, one of the, you know how when you're in the hood, they put cameras up so they can watch people and shit like that. 
one of the cameras down the block from his house caught the robbery. They they weren't it wasn't able to be close enough for them to see who it was though. But they did see that he did get put in the vehicle and you know hit down no, he got his his jewelry brought out of his house and all that. So that stuff really happened according to the NYPD. Now, we could say Takashi could be lying for publicity. But now we don't know why in the world the NYPD would lie for that man's publicity. So at this point, it's I would say it's real now. Or not that it's real now, but I believe it now. Because the NYPD came out and said what they said. You know, the dude is fortunate to be alive. You know, I'm guessing these were some young guys that, that kidnapped him. Because these couldn't have been no career criminals that <laughs> threw him in the back of the vehicle. Pretty much unharmed. They say he pissed. He got pistol whipped. I, I ain't seen no evidence of no pistol whipping, but pretty much they threw him in the back of the vehicle after taking seven hundred fifty thousand in jewelry and fifteen thousand cash. They threw him in the back, and, and one of them was in the middle seat. Or like I don't even understand how that shit worked. How did he get by a door? Is what I don't get. Like maybe it was two people in the front, and then only one in the back, so he was by a door no matter what. But it still don't make sense. If you kidnapping somebody, two niggas need to, no. It shouldn't be a front seat passenger. What is you doing? Anyway, man, that, that you know, not I ain't telling nobody how to do nothing wrong. I'm just saying it just don't make any sense. It doesn't. Not on Takashi's part. He did what he's supposed to do. If you get an opportunity to jump out, then you got to do that, man. But these kidnappers, man, y'all. And now y'all. I mean, if you don't have anybody that can melt that jewelry down. And sell it, sell it like that. Y'all stuck with all this jewelry because this stuff is all custom. You know the big six nine, the big saw clown face, all this stuff. It's custom work, so if you you're not gonna be able to sell it like that. So man, hopefully the fifteen k was worth it. Nobody got hurt. So since he didn't get hurt, hey, it's fair game. It would have been fair game either way, but it's fair game, man. You know it'd be all right. You know it'd be all right. Off that, off that. And by the way, I know I know none of the young up and coming rappers listen to this podcast. But if you know an up and coming rapper, tell them that route is not beneficial. The going the shock route, just trying to bother people on the internet and run and play cat and mouse and all that gingerbread man shit. Catch me if you can. That's not worth it. Because it's a lot of people that have done that. Takashi is just the one that didn't get killed yet. But a lot of people have done what Takashi is doing. They, people are acting like Takashi is doing something new. He ain't. He just got famous without getting killed. There's other people that have played these games that he's playing. You know what I'm saying? It's just that New York is becoming a much safer place. I was I looked up the murders in New York um yesterday or two days ago or whatever. New York's murder murder count is the lowest it's been in 70 years. Now, I'm only saying murder because I'm saying the way he speaks is normally the way people speak who get murdered. So he has not been murdered in his own city because the city all around is just becoming safer. Imagine a place with 10 million people and you have 200. They have more than 10 million people. 10 million people and 200 get murdered. That, like, it's, you know, those 200 people still matter, Right. But statistically, that's amazing. 
So New York is becoming a much safer place. That's why a, a person like him can roam around and do what he's doing. He can stay in New York and then do tours overseas. He'll never have to go to any other American city if he doesn't want to. I'm sure he will and, you know, whatever. But I'm just saying there's a reason why he's able to do what he's doing and walk around that city like that. So now on to a funny story. It's not really a funny story because I want to hear how y'all feel about this. Do you guys have any... Get at me on Twitter at Kilo underscore Righteous. Let me know. Do y'all have any, like, wildly... I know y'all do. Wildly awkward conversation pieces or things that happened at work? Like, I want to hear y'all... I want to hear y'all's situations. I should have I linked up with a couple of people and had them call in and tell me their situations because I'm not... I mean, Okay, so at my job, I think I told y'all before, I'm one of few black people that work there. And, you know, since the first day, you know, we were told uniform, not uniform, but um, dress code and things like that. And one of them was pretty much, you you can't be walking around with tattoos everywhere, right? I have tattoos all over my arms, so I wear long sleeve shirts every day, which is not a problem for me at all. Because I've been doing it since I came home. And I did it when I worked at a moving company. And I was working hard in the Georgia sun with long sleeves on. You know what I mean? To, you know, keep that professional appearance. That's fine with me. I don't mind being hot. I'm black. You understand? I'm not that dark, but I'm black. I come from Africa. I could deal with heat. So, or my ancestors came from Africa. I could deal with the heat. Right? So, I wear long sleeves and and button-ups and slacks and, you know, whatever kind of shoes every day. So I could tell after I got to start getting a few comments from some of my white co-workers like, hey, you know we can wear jeans on Fridays. I'm like, uh, like, yeah, I know. I got the same talk y'all got. I know we can wear jeans. I'm cool like this, though. So I know me dressing, you know, I guess button-ups every day, it kind of was being bothered by it. Which is weird, but that's the kind of shit that people get bothered by. So then these ladies started to comment saying, hey, you know, you, you know, we can wear jeans. We never you never wear any jeans. What's going on? I'm like, I'm cool. I'm comfortable like this. I'm good. Then when I did wear jeans one day, right, it still had a long sleeve um, shirt on. Then they was making comments like, oh, look, I see you. You got the jeans. These like older white women. Whatever. Then oh, this white lady walks up to me one day, right? Because I got long sleeves on on a day where they like celebrating some, you know, some white patriotism or whatever. And she walked up on me like, let me see it. I was like, I looked at her for a second. Like, I'm like, see what? She was like, she just, you know, made a gesture pointing towards the arms. I'm like, see what? She was like, the tats. Let me see the ink. I was like, because, you know, in that moment, it's for me saying, let me see your tats from a white woman that's at work. We in a professional setting is like when when um, black women get the can I touch your hair? That's the same shit to me because I'm not here to be on display for you people. And that's not even the first time that happened. Actually, I just thought about it. It's not even the first time to have somebody else did that. But her, I'm like, so she came up to me like, let me see it. Let me see the tat. And I'm like, um. I'm like, nah, I don't I don't show my tattoos to people. And she was like, she stood there and looked at me like she thought I was joking for a second. 
And then she just started t- telling me a story about her son. Her son is a warrant officer in the um, Navy. So he's a high-ranking guy. He's a W-4 in the Navy. That's high-ranking for the people who don't know. He's, um yeah, so she started telling me stories about how he got under. I'm like, yeah, you know, I keep my I keep my tattoos above my wrist so I can cover them up at work. You know, I just, I don't show my tattoos to people, though. And I definitely am not showing my tattoos at work. So then she did her little talking thing, and then she walked off. So then... Yesterday, the CTO comes up to me. And he didn't come up to me. We was in the kitchen. And I'm doing whatever I'm doing. He was like, hey, real name, my government name. You're like the best dressed guy in the office. I'm, man, yo, I be paranoid as shit. You feel me? So when people, it's, when white people say shit like this to me at work, like some people take that like, oh, that's a compliment. To me, I'm thinking, I'm looking around the office. I dress like everybody else. I wear button-ups, slacks, and some, you know, whatever. I wear I wear Sperry's, but I'm just saying, everybody wear dresses like that. So for you to tell me I'm the best-dressed person in the office, that means you basing that off of expectation. That means you want me or you think I should look some other kind of way instead of dressing the same way everybody else dresses. He like, yeah, every day, man, you're just so sharp. And I'm like, I'm not doing anything different. I look regular. That's what I said to him. And this is the CTO, the chief technical officer of the company. This is a corporation. Okay. hundred plus million dollar company. He's telling me I'm the best dressed guy at the company. And I tell him, no, I'm dressing regular. I'm trying to dress so I do not get noticed up in here. Because, you know, I tell you, I don't really like all that attention type shit. So I'm, t- I'm like, I'm trying not to get noticed up in this place. He like, I mean, well, I'm just saying, you're the best dressed. I'm, am I tweaking, y'all? I got offended. <laughs> like, it's, I ain't get offended on some like, yo, he trying to play me. I got offended on some, why are you talking about the way I'm dressed, white man? It ain't even just about that. It's just about nobody that wasn't white would have said that and the reason they wouldn't have said it is because when you come in our building everybody is dressed the same similarly either they have polo and slacks on or they have a button up and slacks on we all dress the same way up in there so how am i the best dressed what is best dressed about me you think i look good in my clothes pause b i look like everybody else in my clothes yo am i tripping am i being paranoid for for Feeling like this was yesterday. You know, not this enough. when people say wild shit like this to me, in my mind, it was wild. Just like when a lady at the jail told me like she thought I didn't have a job. Soon as I get to a, a pl- where I'm sitting down, I write it down immediately. I have, I have things for years that people have said to me that was like out of bounds to me. I write all that shit down. I just keep it so I remember it for the rest of my life. I don't want to forget this weird shit that people say. That people think they should say. I write it all down. This is on a sticky note or a notebook somewhere. Everything that anybody has said to me, strangely, since like 2011. Since I was in the Navy hearing people say wild shit. I write all that shit down. <laughs> that, that's, that's, y'all gotta have to tell me. Am I tweaking? Or is the nigga tweaking, tweaking for, for saying that to me? Like I said, everybody's dressed the same way in here. Y'all let me know. Maybe I'm paranoid. But now this thing that happened today, <laughs> I got to tell y'all. And again, y'all have to, um, when I hear stuff like this, there's only one thing 
that comes to my, comes to mind. And it's why the fuck you ain't eating cold? The fuck wrong with you? The fuck wrong with you? Why'd you ask it? Like, and the reason I put I, I left the why the fuck you ain't eat it cold in there because you need to know why you ain't eat it cold is symbolic for anything that somebody did that they shouldn't have done. Like, why you do that? Why did you do that? I gotta come through with it. Why the fuck you ain't eat it cold? The fuck wrong with you? You feel me? I can't stand you. This is all I'm saying. I can stand some of these people. I'm just saying, like, okay. I need y'all to tell me some of y'all stories also, but I have another one for y'all, and this just happened today. Like I said, this is the last two days. This happened today. Now, this guy is my direct supervisor. I work directly for this guy. Now, we got we got a <laughs> we just got a new receptionist, right? She's a temp. She's a young black lady. She's probably younger than me. She's probably a few years younger than me, actually. Right? And this man is 63. So we already know how white men fetishize in a way or fetishize in every way black women, especially older ones. You know, they, they, they you know, you know, y'all know we in the South. All right. So he walks up to my desk. This is the first thing he says. You know, I'm trying to figure out how to say this without being racist. So then I look at him. Because I'm thinking, like, what is this nigga about to say? What is he about to say? Why the fuck you ain't eating cold? The fuck wrong with you? You know what I'm saying? I'm looking at him like, he said, he started a sentence out with, I'm trying to figure out how to say this without sounding racist or without being racist. So you know me. I'm always down for a good racist conversation with a white person. You know what I mean? And... The next thing he says is, I got to read it because like I said, when people say wild shit, I write it down. He said, I'm trying to figure out how to say this without sounding racist. I look at him. Right. Because I'm not even going, I'm not going to cut this. I'm not going, I'm not going to interrupt none of it. I want to hear what the fuck he about to say. He says, trying to figure out how to say this without being racist, but that's one hot receptionist they got down there. That's what he said. Now, he started, he started the shit with, I'm not trying to be racist. And then he called the girl hot. Why the fuck you ain't eating cold? The fuck wrong with you? So, I'm, I'm, I said, the first thing, I looked at him like, you know, some stuff I'm not commenting on because, I'm, I'm, you know, it's inappropriate for work. And, I, you know, if I was cool with a bunch of people, if I was cool with you, we could talk about, you know, whatever you feel like is attractive or whatever like that. But since I have been working in, in Georgia, I have not met one friend. I don't have any friends. So I'm not cool with anybody like that that I have not known since I was a child. Everybody I talk to down here, I've known since I was 18 years old. All right. I'm 27 now. I don't have any new friends. It's not on purpose. I just have not meshed with the people that I've been coming in contact with in the workplace. So I'm not about to go back and forth with you about who you think is attractive, right? So he says, I'm not trying to be racist. I'm trying to say this, not trying to be racist, but that's one hot receptionist down there. I said, and he already felt awkward. First thing I say was, why would that be racist? Then he got red. Oh, it's time. Now, I just I just upsold that story. That was the end of it. <laughs> but I'm just saying, though, why would he say he's not trying to be racist, though, fam? I asked him, how was it racist? He said, 
Shit, I don't know. So you know what that means. That means in his because I didn't get I didn't ask for no elaboration. When I asked him why did he say it was racist, he said he don't know and he walked away. But like I said, this is my direct supervisor. This is my you know, I work directly for him. So it's not like, you know, that awkwardness will make it so that, oh, we just ain't speak again. No, we just got to go forward with me hearing him say some shit like that. And he got to know that he said some shit like that to me. And I asked him that. I didn't say, yeah, she's a real hottie. You know, I'd like to take her to town one day. Like, I didn't, that didn't happen. So now he got to live with or he got to think about that. Anyway, what y'all think was on his mind about that girl, man? What y'all think about it? What, tell me if y'all if somebody walked up to you and said that they ain't trying to be racist, but the girl is hot. Those two things don't even go together. So that means you was thinking some racist shit. Whatever it was in your head, you was thinking some some crazy. I don't even like because I don't I'm not in the mind of a white supremacist. So I don't even know what he could have been thinking. I don't even know what how that could even link to racist saying somebody is hot. So like so. If I have any, I'm pretty sure I have no white listeners, but if I do have any white listeners that happen to be KKK members or they happen to be affiliated to or affiliated with or related to any KKK members or other white supremacist groups, can you please help me understand why would that be racist? I don't get it. I don't get it. I can't stand you. Yes, that's a white man's voice saying I can't stand you. Okay. That I, I, I felt like telling you all that. I probably made it seem like these stories was going to be crazier than they really was. But like shit, it's the stuff that people say to me, man, that that I I just don't understand it, man. I don't understand it. Maybe the, the best the best dress thing wasn't as bad as I'm making it sound. It was bad to me. Like, my nigga, why is you talking about how I'm dressed? I don't I don't be that energy is not for me, man. We here to work. Let's work. That's you know, don't make it awkward. But the racist thing that was weird. That was that was certified weird. I ain't gonna make me feel bad about about that story right there. That was a good one. That was a good one. Okay. Now, this week, a few days ago, I read a Forbes article. Everybody know what Forbes is, right? Forbes is the it, you know it's the people who track all the money. Forbes has an article. Let me tell you what the shit says. What's the the headline of it? And I know I'm taking a hard turn. This is a hard ninety degree turn right here. The Headline is why McDonald's, Coke and General Mills made African-Americans their lead consumer. That's a bombshell right there. And this is written by a black woman. Her name is Sonia Thompson. Oh, that's fire. That's fire. It got. Oh, I didn't even know they did this. They showed how many views this um, article got. Actually, it didn't come out yesterday. It came out on July 17th. At 6 a.m. But it, you know, 27,567 views. I, I would feel like it should have had more views than that. But I guess when people see a headline like that from, from Forbes, Forbes' um, normal customer, they don't want to read shit like that. But whatever. <clears throat> That's the headline. Why McDonald's, Coke, and General Mills made African Americans their lead co- consumer. Now, we know why. You know what I mean? But now it's being said in a major financial publication. That's 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 major. And you know, this 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 lady, like I said, she's a black woman. She is kind of genius the way she started it out. 
she started out in a way where it's not going to offend anybody because she makes it seem like these companies are doing this because niche is the way to go. Because sometimes companies just don't want to target to the masses. They want the niche. They want the subgenres of subcultures of people, and they're okay with that. But, oh, she hit them hard. She tried to compare, like, vegans or people who don't eat gluten. She didn't say vegan. She said she tried to compare people who don't eat gluten to African-Americans as a whole, right? Because if a company targets people who don't eat gluten, they're doing it, first of all, either it's for health, well, it is for health reasons. But those people who eat, um, who don't eat gluten, they don't influence anybody else to not eat gluten. Right. So she put that at the beginning. So the people who who aren't really paying attention, they'll think that it's the same type of thing for African-Americans. Oh, they're a niche audience. First of all, it's 40 million of us. We're not a niche audience. That's not niche. Niche is a hundred. Niche is a hundred thousand at the most. Like a little tiny, like when you got 40 million, you're talking about influence in the world. When you when you're targeting 40 million people, I don't care what group it is. If you try to target 40 million people, you're trying to influence the world. That's a lot of people to influence. Okay, so boom. So she started out with the niche thing. She got him, right? Which I wish she would have got more views on this thing, but she got him. Okay, hold on. The mass market is eroding and people are part of a niche don't live in a vacuum. As, as such, you need to... You need to get good at authentically engaging with niche audience, particularly the ones who can help influence other groups. Okay, this just isn't applicable for restaurants in New York City. Many big brands like Manda. Let me let me read it. Hold on real quick, y'all. Okay. Mark Addicts. From General Mills. He was the uh, he's a retired chief marketing officer. Now, he's the head of marketing. At, he was the head of marketing at General Mills. Y'all know General Mills. They make a lot of cereals and different, you know, non-perishable products and shit. Right. His quote said, it's hard to imagine the American cultural landscape without the influence and impact of African-Americans. This is a marketing officer, a chief marketing officer of a major American corporation. It's hard to imagine the American cultural landscape without the influence and impact of African-Americans. They represent all of the iconic cultural markers of our society. Business, music, entertainment, fashion, sports, government, education. In every aspect, they're seen as cultural thought leaders. This is in a Forbes magazine online article. This, it's hard to imagine. It says they represent all of iconic cultural markers of our society. That's in Forbes magazine right now, thanks to the black woman, Sonya Thompson. That's hard. Well, Mark Attic said it. And, you know, actually, it's better that Mark Attic said it because and his last name is, is spelled I, I mean, A-D-D-I-C-K-S. It's better that he says it because he was actually the one making decisions as to who should be targeted in advertising. He went on to add, my advice to marketers seeking to connect with African-American consumers is to think of them as lead consumers to influence your market. You can start to market these ideas to the general market. They can influence. 
Wait, you can start to market these ideas to the general market. They can influence an entire campaign if you get close to them. <laughs> they talking about us crazy. Although they represent 12 to 13 percent of consumers, their influence on consumption can be much bigger than that. You can do brand campaigns with African-Americans at their heart that can drive these entire business that can drive the entire business. Do you hear what my man said, son? My man said you can do brand campaigns with African-Americans at their heart that can drive the entire business drive the entire business you can market to 12 percent of the american population it can drive your business globally if you're a global company and general mills is a global company even though they're american they sell shit all over the world do y'all understand what's happening here we are this information is coming out probably probably I was I don't I'm not old enough to really know what was going on. And if I just think of what they would consider mainstream, because, you know, a long time ago, they used to try to hide us. And we used to just creep into pop culture and take over shit. Now we are clearly all we didn't we're not creeping in. anymore. we are just at the top of everything. Pop culture, like they said, news, business, music, entertainment, fashion, sports, government, education. We're just there. We're not creeping up there. It's not like one or two. Now we're all over the place. Now, I'm going to say that started in one, one of my older folks is going to have to help me out with that. When did that really start? Because I know it hasn't always been where we were just everywhere at the top and the bottom and the middle. It hasn't been always. I would say, I would say, what, 80s? I don't know. Y'all Y'all let me know when it, when it first started. But anyway, General Mills, ex-CMO, chief marketing officer, said, you, uh, he said, Although they represent 12 to 13 percent of consumers, their influence on consumption can be much bigger than that. I don't even know what race that man is. Let me let me. I got to look that up real quick because I didn't know he said all that. Now, let's let's see if he's a black man. If he's a black man. OK, it makes more sense that he would say that because, of course, we know that. But if a white man is admitting that. uh, Mark Addicts is definitely a white person. Nope. Nope. I'm lying. I'm lying. That's a different person hold on man mark addicts let me see trying to trying to oh yeah this is definitely a white person okay so mark addicts is a white man and he was the ceo cmo of general mills but uh, the great sonia thompson i hope she really blows up off of this article because i haven't heard of her before she has a great job already, but I hope she really blows, 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 because this is this is monumental to get marketing executives to admit this kind of stuff in a major publication like Forbes. OK, now. In the report, the McDonald's chief McDonald's. Now, everybody know what McDonald's is. And I have been saying for a few years, McDonald's blew up because of the cheap advertisement on BT in the 1980s. I read in The Power of Broke by Damon John that they were able to advertise 30 second slots for $1,500 on BT in the 90s. 
McDonald's has been flooding BET since since way back then, with with the black you know trying to trying to market to us, and it's so they were able to spread I think like wildfire from that. All right, so let's read. The McDonald's chief marketing officer Neil Golden echoed that finding. He meaning he echoed what the other man Mark Attic said. In referring to two of the most popular campaigns over the last few decades, he noted they were remarkably insightful to African-American consumers, yet still have a high relevance for the general audience. The reason they have a high relevance for the general audience is because everybody else is following what black people in America do. Even black people from other countries follow what black people in America do. So if you make it cool, if not if you make it cool, if black people in America make it cool, it's cool to everybody. There's nothing that's cool to us that other people say that's not cool. Shit that's cool to us is cool. Just period. All right. Jim Farley, group vice president at Ford, shared how his insightful how this insight became a core driver of their Explorer launch. Let me back that up. He's the vice president at Ford. Jim Farley, vice president. He said this sentiment about African-American consumers became a core driver of their Explorer. That means they put this, the Ford Explorer, the SUV, on the backs of black consumption. Not even that we're buying the shit. If we're seen thinking that it's cool or if we say it's OK or if we co-sign it via endorsement through sponsorship deals such as Kevin Hart. It's cool in America and all over the world. Let's see what he says. One of our most popular campaigns with dealers and consumers was a TV commercial for the new Ford Explorer with comedian Kevin Hart. It was developed for African-American audiences, but then we used it for the general market. It was one of our key ads for the Explorer launch. Now, I know y'all remember this commercial. It's the one where Kevin Hart was at the wedding. He pulled up to the wedding late and, you know, he just was talking, doing a lot of banter and whatever. But he crashed the wedding with the Ford Explorer. Y'all remember that, right? That's what they're talking about. They launched the brand new Explorer and they wanted to get it to a new market and they used this black face to do it. Think about it, man. Think about what they do. And they're saying, yeah, we did this. We're using you guys to sell to everybody. Jim Farley is the vice president of Ford. He admits it. He just said it like, yeah, you know, y'all don't know this. Everybody knows this. Y'all don't know. That's crazy. This sentence, the right niche influences the masses and the influence can grow your business. Man, that's not, it's not niche when you're this powerful, man. Let's see what else. They say in here. Okay, another executive, senior executive, Michael Smith, vice president and general manager at Scripps Network. This is a TV network. According to research, we have seen. Okay, according to research, we have seen over the years, if you make something with an all white cast, a white audience won't notice it. 
but a minority audience will notice it. And if you make something that has a significant presence of minority characters or minority hosts, white audiences don't notice that either. White Americans are just not as conscious of the ethnicity, but audience members of color will feel really good about it. If So what does that mean? That means you make black people feel good, they will make your shit blow up. If you make them laugh, they'll make your shit blow up. If you make them cry, they'll make your shit blow up. If you make them feel included, they will make your shit blow up. If you make them mad, your shit will blow up. You understand? That's what he's saying here. He's saying get to the emotional part of African-Americans or minorities, what he said. But really, he's talking about African-Americans or he said members of color. Talking about black people. If you get to them, you'll blow up because everybody else is waiting to see what they do. I mean, is anybody else amazed? I'm amazed at the fact that they are, have no problem admitting this right now in 2018 because they've been doing this shit for a long time. They've been doing it for a long time, man. Yeah. So let me let me just give you a breakdown of I guess what the some some experts say the most five common advertising techniques are. And this is I'm the reason I'm telling it to you so that you can notice when you're being targeted and you can combat it cuz you don't always need to, you know, buy the shit that's targeted to you, man. Repetition. These are the five steps or five what, what do they call it? They've called it the five techniques. Repetition, which we know that one. Claims. Association. Bandwagon. Promotions. Promotions as in like deals and sales and things like that. All right. Repetition is um, that's self-explanatory. Claims. Advertising that describes a product, promotes specific features or makes claims about what a product or service can do for the potential customer. Or, yeah. Customers. Provide successful results. Okay. Okay, so they say you educate and develop expectations for the buyer. So if you if you tell somebody some shit like loved by kids everywhere, that's a claim that you that you make. It doesn't have to be true. But that's a claim you made, and now people are thinking, oh, this is the popular thing. That means all the kids want it. So for Christmas, guess what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna get my toy, my kid the toy. That all the kids want. All the kids must want it because I heard it in a commercial. You don't say that part consciously, but that's what your brain does to itself. It says the kids must want it. I just heard somebody say all the kids love it everywhere. The kids love it everywhere. Right. So that's how claims work or claims might work and say something like, you know, this Clorox bleach gets your whites whiter or whatever. And your mind. I mean, it's not like you're it's not like you're looking for lies. You're just taking in information so when you say it that's a claim so in your mind you think clorox is making my whites whiter guess what's gonna be the best-selling bleach clorox bleach hey you know what i mean claims they do this to us y'all you just pay attention association the next technique associating a product or company with a famous person which you see ford did that right with kevin hart use kevin that's the fa- we all know this part right here but let's just with a famous person, catchy jingle, ba da ba ba ba. So you don't have famous people in McDonald's commercials, but they have the catchy jingle. 
desirable state of being or powerful emotion creates a strong psychological connection in the customer. Right. So that's, you know, when you see the um, the ASPCA commercials with the little dogs and shit and they look all sad and beat up one arm, one eye. That's association right there. You playing with people's emotions, psychological connection. A strong psychological connection. That's why they use the music they use. They use a soft piano, a couple strings in the background that you can't even hear. All you see is these sad-ass dogs and cats, and you're thinking like, damn. Even if you don't go get a pet from that place, you're still thinking about it. Everybody knows that commercial. The reason you know that commercial is because it was done flawlessly. It did exactly what it was supposed to do. Bother you. <laughs> you understand? bandwagon now let's figure out what this bandwagon thing means the bandwagon technique sells a product or service by convincing the consumer that others are using it and they should join the crowd that's the same thing with the um kids everywhere love this toy or you know <clears throat> if i make a person feel like they're missing out they will gravitate towards that thing if they feel like they're missing out on a deal they feel like they're missing out on what's cool they will want to be a part of it bandwagon all of these things seem basic but yet when they do it to us in this advertising we don't notice it because we go buy all the shit that we see advertised everywhere we don't think that gucci and louis and chanel and prada and fendi and all this, these people are putting their clothes on famous people like famous rappers specifically why you think mark zuckerberg is not walking around with fendi head to toe it's not because he can't afford it it's not because he's against fendi they just ain't give him shit. If they gave it to him, he would wear it, I'm sure. But they didn't give it to him. So he had to go buy his own clothes and he went and bought a little Target hoodie. But Nicki Minaj? Oh, for her Chun-Li cover? Oh, you know Fendi, give, Fendi gave her that. Why? Because they know who's looking at who. They know that everybody is going to look at this black rapper when they wear Fendi. And we think, oh, no, I'm just wearing this because I'm fresh. Oh, I got these Balenciagas on because I'm fly. Oh, no, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm rocking this, uh, you know, whatever. Because you, you got the Jimmy Choo's on because you fly or because you've seen a celebrity female wearing the heels. You like Christian Louboutins because they're fly or because you see all the rich people wearing them. You, the way advertising works is you don't know if you actually like something or if you have been tricked to think you, you need it. That's what advertising is about. And and we're going to get into why, how, who figured that out and everything. Promotions. Let me see how much time I've been going right here, man. Am I, am I going too long, y'all? Yeah, I'm going too long. I'm going too long. Let me wrap this mother mother up. Let me wrap this joint up. I can't stand you. I can't stand myself, man. All right, promotions. That's, you know, everybody, that's coupons, sweepstakes, games, surprises. Everybody know the big, the wild Monopoly game that used to be going on at McDonald's. I don't even know if they still do it. But that right there is the craziest advertising thing ever. To make somebody feel like if they eat here, they could win a million dollars or whatever it is. I don't know if anybody, any company, any other company has what McDonald's has with that Monopoly shit. Like, I don't, I don't know if anybody comes close with that. The prizes and the gifts and all that. I mean, I'm really trying to think. I don't think anybody has anything remotely close to it. So that that's a an, um, an example of how they use promotions. And everybody knows how to use coupons. They send them out in the mail and they, you know, buy one, get one freeze. And really the margin that they made on it was 200%. So you got one free. They still made 
all the money they needed to make on the on the item. But man, now when I when I talked about how these people figure it out, now this is I'm gonna be brief on this one because I want y'all to go look this man up and figure out some things about him, and then you know get back to me and if if you think he's an interesting guy. Has anybody heard of a man named Sigmund Freud? A lot of y'all probably have heard of Sigmund Freud. Sigmund Freud was a psychologist long time ago. You know, he, he was he just studied humans, period. And he was into he wrote a book called like The Interpretation of Dreams or Misinterpretation of Dreams or something like that. And he kind of linked all dreams to sexual fantasy. He was a super psychologist. They, you know, he's kind of like. There's mixed feelings about him and his place in history. But he has a nephew that was also into psychology. This man right here took Freud's. First of all, Freud did a lot more than just the sex and dreams thing. He had he did, he did a whole lot of research. Y'all should look up Sigmund Freud if you haven't already. If you don't already know about him, dude was on some other. She's like an alien or something like that. And these dudes are European. Actually, not just white, but they're actually from Europe. They like from over there somewhere, like Berlin or some shit like that, Germany, whatever. Edward Bernays is Sigmund Freud's nephew. He took Sigmund Freud's information and he built on it. So whereas Sigmund Freud, he revolutionized psychology and, you know, how we study people and how we diagnose things and all that. Edward Bernays revolutionized advertising. Right. He is the father of public relations. Y'all know PR. You ever heard the term PR spin? How people manipulate people to think something new based on what they send a person out to say or what information they send out there? That came from him. Edward Bernays, and that is the 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 that is the seed that grew into the tree that is modern advertising. Edward Bernays's mind created this shit. And I want y'all to look him up. I'm not even going to go too deep into him. Look up Edward Bernays. E-D-W-A-R-D. Last name Bernays. B-E-R-N-A-Y-S. Look the man up. He was on some shit. The reason. He's the reason cigarettes are big in America. Like he took. Propaganda and put it. You know, he took it out of just, you know, let's make people think war is cool. He took that and put it into the minds of consumers for buying products and shit like that just look him up i'm not gonna I already been going for too long at this point look up edward bernays if you don't already know about sigmund freud look him up too man the advertising game is a dirty one and they are advertising to you black people because you influence everything which is why i'm not 100 percent mad at whatever rappers rappers can say anything at this point all they're doing is is Digging deeper and deeper into the minds of the masses of people who don't look like us. Guess what that means? That means eventually, mentally, we'll have a lot more control than we think we, at this point, we think we're in position to have. So we, we it's good to have these rappers doing what they're doing right now. Because if everybody was Lupe Fiasco, guess what? The masses would would reject that information. But if we got... You know, snap music, you know, drill music, you know what I mean? Lean music. They love that. Give them that. Give them, give them it. 
And then guess what? Then you come back later after you have the brains and you do what it what you need to do with it. You understand? So and and that's we <laughs> we have the voice right now, so we have the power. We're allowing it to be used against us in the form of targeted advertising and they use us to promote shit crazily. I just black Twitter is doing so much promotion for different companies for free. It makes no sense, yo. Shit going viral and blowing people up. Yo, anyway, that's all I got for y'all, man. Y'all get at me on the tip. Y'all let me know what kind of crazy job stories y'all have. What what these people done said to you up in the building. And also let me know uh, what you what you feel about Edward Bernays and advertising and how you feel about these corporations admitting to advertising to you. And even before they admitted to it, how did you feel about being targeted to make shit cool so everybody else would go buy it, man? Y'all get at me later. I'm Ali Fadaudi. Peace. Fuck you ain't even cold.